Well, good morning. How are you? Doing well? Well, it, I, I really probably need to do this. Uh, my name is Matt Chandler. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. This is my God bless you talk. So uh, appreciate that encouragement. There, there are, uh, if, if you have your Bibles, let, let's do this. Uh, Psalm 126 is where we're going to camp out um, for just a little bit, uh, just to kind of close out my time as uh, the lead pastor uh, of this congregation. They've given me 20 minutes, and so I uh, need to stay on task. Um, listen, it, Bleeker has, has been coming out here and leading, and when he comes back, I'm like, so, so tell me, what, what's the vibe right now? What's that? And he's like, brother, it feels like home. And so I was like, wait, what? I mean, that's like an hour something away. How can an hour something away? And then I get here, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know so many of you. And, and we've got, I've got like these stories and memories and these um, epic highs with some of these really sad lows. And then, then God redeemed those lows. And, and really the Lord has uniquely uh, created a family here that, that we're really here to celebrate. Now, I, um, I think there are a few things right now in my life bringing me more joy than these services that I get to do. I have just boldly said the Village Church gets to be the fastest shrinking church in the United States, and that should be celebrated, right? That shouldn't be like, oh no, let's fix that. I think it's evidence that it's working, uh, all right, and that there's a real zeal for the kingdom of God here that transcends any one name or any one label or any one brand, and that long after anything about the Village Church is known, seen, read, or cared about, the kingdom of God will be moving forward in a way that we have been invited into and get to participate in, that we'll spend the days of our lives in, in a way that moves the kingdom forward in a very real and legitimate way. And so I just want to celebrate that with you today. And as already has been said, I've got two points, right, uh, about 14 minutes apiece. Uh, no, I'll, I'll try to keep it tight. Um, two points, and both of them involve remembering, and I think you're going to hear that as a theme uh, with every one of us that comes up here. I want you to remember, first and foremost, um, your own reconciliation, your own restoration, and then I want you to remember that, that the restoration that we desire to happen both in us and around us ultimately belongs to God who cannot and will not fail. So, so that's my outline, and to do that, I want us to read Psalm 126. But let me, Psalm 126 is a unique psalm, and here's what I mean. When we think the psalms, we, we think David or, or, or you know, some other choir leader or something. Now, we don't really know who the author of 126 is, but we do know the time period in which it was written, namely when the people of God in captivity in Babylon are released to head back to Jerusalem and begin to rebuild. So think Ezra, think Nehemiah, think that period of time. So the, the Persians had conquered the Babylonians and the Persians were just a little bit more light-handed on the people of God than the Babylonians were. And they allowed them to head back and start to rebuild the walls and start to put together the city again. And this is where we find Psalm 126. And here's what it says. It, it's got all the things that make me go, yes, 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 Lord. Here we go. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion... We were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with the songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great 
things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. And in verse 4, it, it, it pivots in verse 4. And I, I think you'll be able to hear both the hope and the not there yetness that, that doesn't seem to be in the first three verses. So in verse 4, restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in Negev. Those was to the south, the streams that would dry up and there would be no water in them. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying the sheaves with them. So if you're not a farmer, he means you're going to sow in tears, but you're going to reap this harvest of bounty, the sheaves, the fruit, the, the, the kind of product of this weeping and tilling and working the soil. And so here's my two points. Let me, let me start with the first one. Remember your restoration. See, as I look around uh, this room, there are a lot of individual stories where the Spirit of God worked powerfully in you. Many of you became Christians in this church. Others of you set free from bondage in this church. In fact, just a way to encourage one. How many of you have just had, man, I've had a significant spiritual experience here at Citizens Church that shifted, changed, reminded, renewed, restored my faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you would just go, that happened here? So keep your hand up. Like we're Baptocostals. This should be. Now look around. Look around. Don't you don't need to be embarrassed. We're only like this, all right? Just go on. So now look around. Look at this. I mean, this is what God has done among you. But God, although he works personally, is always putting together something corporately. And so although in this passage you can see that God has stirred up these individuals, but he's stirred them up corporately. So it's not like one guy that's got his, like, like he's living the dream. It's not one guy that's mouth is filled with laughter. It's not one guy. There's, no, it's, there's this collective sense that God is doing something and he's done something and he's got all of them fired up. And, and I'll say, as, as beautiful as your individual stories are, when I think about this campus, like I, it bothers my heart sometimes. Let, let me give you some examples. Day one, there was a group of you here. I can see some of your faith. There was a group of you like, please, God, let them do a campus in Plano. Let them do a campus in Plano. Let them do it. And we weren't even looking in Plano. Right? Do a camp. Like we had other spots that we thought the Lord was drawing us to. And, and then Plano happened. Day one, 2,000 of you. That's crazy. Like who launches a site and has 2,000 people show up day one? Like that happened and that's the fruit of so many of you that said, God, do something so that I can bring my neighbor to a place where the gospel is proclaimed and don't have to drive an hour away to show them what the Lord is up to in my life and our day. Like that's huge. Like that's huge. But, but here are the ones where I'm like, man, Lord, come on, right? Um, we were praying and trying to raise money for a parking lot. Do you remember this? Here. You guys were, you're like, oh, we really need parking. And the Lord's like, God, so you so think so small. And, and then legacy, like this gargant, are you kidding me with this building? Like we're trying to just like, how small? We're like, oh, we need like a hundred grand to do our parking lot again. And God's like, okay, how about this? And he, spirit whispers in the elders and heart of legacy church, you should, you should get a smaller building. Have you ever even heard of something like that? Meanwhile, in Flyerman, we're like praying and fasting and tearing our clothes, sprinkling sackcloth and ash. We're like, please, God. He's like, you're all right. You're going to be just fine, right? Just a billion services. I'll give you the strength. If I give you a bigger building, you wouldn't trust me as much. So on your face, Chandler. And meanwhile, you're like, what are we going to do with all? It feels like a cow. You know, it's like an arena. What are we going to? Like, you make me sick. 
Right, and so here we are, we're praying, like, when does this happen? Are you trying, like, when does this happen that God would say, I love you, I see you, I know, and yes on the parking lot, but how about a parking lot in a different location in a bigger building while that church comes and takes over your building in such a way that it can work financially? Like, God sees you, he loves you, he's got something that's happening here. And then the vote. No, no, I don't know why y'all are giggling. Hey, if you can get 96% of people anywhere to agree upon something, uh, it is clear that the Spirit of God is at work. <laughs> like we have attempted something here that would usually kill momentum and destroy churches. It's just the truth, right? A large kind of movement-based congregation, that's what we are. Like, like we're known globally, we're not, but, but that, that's all going to go away and just Jesus will remain, right? And, and yet, here we go going, you know what? We think that you would serve the kingdom of God better if you were contextually rooted in a location where you could just pull in by yourself, contextualize it, drive it. We, we don't trust in the giftedness of man. We trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you caught that vision. You caught it. Like, I'm not here today. We're not doing this today if you didn't catch that. Right, if you were about your own comfort, if you were about what was comfortable, if you were about how you liked this or what a vision, like we wouldn't be doing this, but because you said God is up to something in our day and I want to play and I want to play in a way that's unique to us here in the community, what's that? Because you bought that and sold out for it, 96% of you said, let's go. And the 4% that said, no, thank you, are still here saying, okay, it's clear that God has made a way, so let's get to work. And if people have left for other than that, then listen, there is something called blessed subtraction that should be, a, it should be embraced at times in the life of a church, right? Because if you don't, then you're saying, we're a church for everybody and we're gonna, do, we're gonna try to keep everybody by the things that we do. No, 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 we're gonna please the Lord and follow. I want you to remember these things. God has heard you. He has blessed you. You need to remember, but you also need to remind each other. You need to remind each other often. You say, remember that time? Oh my gosh, we were, how small were we thinking? We said, will you help us repave the parking lot? Like how, God, save us from that. Continue to swell in uh, crazy expectations on what you're being able to do. Because listen, it hadn't even entered into our imaginations. Just go, you know what? God, just give us a giant building a couple miles from here. Just make that happen. Like, we didn't even know to pray that, right? We're like, well, parking would be better, you know? Uh, and so th this is what God has done. I want you to kind of keep it in there. And then in times of difficulty, in times of doubt, remind each other. Remind each other, right? And, and then the, the second half, and here's, here's, here's what I want to, and I am killing it on time. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. The second part of this is a little bit different, right? That pivot in verse four. So if I'm saying my, my first part is, hey, remember your restoration, you as an individual and what God's done here at Citizens Church. If you remember that, you also then have to in turn remember God's restoration. So yes, your restoration, but also God's restoration, what God has promised to do but because he's certainly not done. And, and here we can turn to this text. So you've got, um, you've got one through three, and there's like, in this incredible, oh my gosh, we're going to rebuild the walls. God's hurt us. He's, he's given, and they go back, and they start to, if you've read Nehemiah or studied Nehemiah, uh, you know, man, they, that, was a, that was a hard run. And as they begin to kind of get some traction and get some momentum, as the walls start coming up and things start to settle in, they remember that there's, there's just a small group of them there, and they've got brothers and sisters 
that are still in what used to be Babylon, and, and their heart starts to cry out for more, for God to do more. They, they didn't believe that it was the work of their hands, but the blessing of God, and therefore they were hungry to see God set free all of his people. And so we'll pick it up there in verse 4. Restore our, that's the people of God, fortunes. Lord, like streams in the Negev to the south, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So, so now, here's what I want you to do. For all that God has done here, for all that God has done in you, for all that God has accomplished in us, it, it should be clear to your eyes that God is up to something in our day among you in this place in the Metroplex that has his hand written all over it. So, so maybe this would help. Um, my father was a Navy man. And uh, they moved us from the Bay Area um, down uh, towards Galveston Island. We actually were on the, 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 the cross the Galveston Bay Bridge in a place called Texas City, Lamarck, that area right there. And, and we moved because of some, some spending, defense spending that was going. And, and when I got here, I, I tried out for the football team, not because I'm an athlete, but because it's Texas, right? Uh, and you better get in that game quick. And so I uh, got involved in the game. That's about as far as my career went uh, that I was involved. And um, that's where Jeff Faircloth starts sharing the gospel with me. That's how I become a Christian because someone was so bold on my high school football team to just go, hey, have you considered Jesus? Have you thought about what it might look like to follow Jesus? And, and so here, here, here's kind of how I always thought about my story, that, that the Lord was involved in these kind of governmental shifts that, that brought me to a place where I could hear the gospel, comprehend the gospel, and believe the gospel. And so here's what's crazy. All these giant corporations that are going, let's settle here. They have no idea they're serving God. They don't. They're just like, oh my gosh, there's no state income tax. Oh my gosh, they're giving us tax benefits. Oh my gosh, look at the price of living. Oh my gosh, let's write. So they're looking at the bottom line and the king of kings and lord of lords is going, or a global revival, or an outpouring of my spirit, or this brother that's moving from India, this brother that's moving from the Middle East, this brother or sister that's coming over, they have no idea they're going to meet me. I'm going to radically transform them. I'm going to even send them back to their country of origin for the glory and fame of Jesus Christ. And so uh, this, is, this pivots now, and they start thinking about our people. Let the dry streams flood again. They're learning or yearning and longing for a move of God among the people of God. And here's, here's how I want to encourage you. The people of God are both seen and unseen. Are you tracking with me on that? So, so the people of God are seen. There are those who, they know they're Christians, and, and that Christianity, for, for whatever reason, it, it's stunted, right? Maybe it's something that happened when they were kids, and then they kind of fell away, and, and they just kind of got out of the habit, or they did that thing where they're like, I love Jesus, but when I'm in my 30s, I'm going to circle back around, or I don't want my kids getting high and pregnant, so I'm going to circle back around and get into church once I have kids. And so there's this little seed of faith Right, this little flicker of faith, and they're gonna come across you, brothers and sisters, at the workplace, at the coffee shops, in these restaurants that you frequent, and you're gonna beckon them to a more robust, spiritually alive faith that they can't even imagine exists until they come across you in this community. And that's that scene coming alive. But there's also this unseen everywhere. Listen, I've said this for years. Jesus did not die on the cross for those who might believe. Do you hear me? 
Jesus did not die on the cross for those who might believe. He died on the cross for those who will. Right? It is not you and I and our clever evangelistic methodologies that save people. In fact, most evangelism, if we're honest, can be really sloppy and messy. And yet, the Lord uses it. The Lord uses the faith that God can work through me as weird as this is going to be, as awkward as this is going to be. And so you have the opportunity to step into what I just think, if you're, if you're like, no one in Israel is like, you know what would be best for us right now? Here, stuck in Babylonian captivity. What would be best for us is the Persians come in and, and destroy the Babylonians and drive them. And that would be best for us. But God's like, you know how I'm going to accomplish this? I'm going to send in the Persians. And I'm going to break the back of the Babylonians. And I'm going to send my people home. And we're going to rebuild the gates. And I'm going to set my people free. All moving us towards the Messiah coming. And, and if you think too smallly, you think too smallly. That, I'm probably I'm more intelligent than that, I think. Um, if you're not thinking with a more robust idea of what God is up to right now, then I just want to gently, in my last Sunday with you, it wouldn't be a time with me if I didn't rebuke you a little, right? Just rebuke you to believe bigger things, right? Just to rebuke you to believe bigger things, that God's up to something here, uniquely here, not just Metroplex. You're, you're sitting at kind of the apex of international activity, like, who would have thought? And somebody like, I mean, I thought it. Okay, congrats. <laughs> right? Like, what I'm trying, I'm trying to compel you to a greater vision for this church and for you as individuals so that you don't falsely believe that your glory days are behind you, but that they're in front of you. That they're not behind you, right? That the best days in the life of this church isn't this building. It's not that you cherry pick the best and brightest from our staff back in Flower Mound. It's not that, does that sound bitter? I didn't mean for it to sound bitter. <laughs> that, um, that, that like those aren't, you've got to shift and go, God's up to something and he's invited us to play as uniquely us in this place in this time for God's glory and our joy. But I want you to note quickly that there's peaks and valleys in that. You see, like, like, how do you go out sowing? Remember the text? In tears. Like, again, this isn't, you just, you gotta know I'm not a prosperity guy. I'm for prosperity. <laughs> don't hear me that way. I'm just saying that we don't follow Jesus because if we do, everything goes our way. We, we follow Jesus because he's reconciled us to the Father and he's the purpose for which we exist. There are peaks coming your way, moments and times and gatherings where the presence of the Holy Spirit will be so thick and so profound that breakthrough happens. Like spiritual chains fall off, things that have haunted you since you were young vanish in a moment. But for most of us, what's going to happen is over the course of 10, 15, 20 years, God's going to shape us slowly in ways that we, we didn't comprehend and couldn't tell he was doing it while he was doing it. But you're going to have these moments of breakthrough in the future, and you should expect it, and you should pray for it, and you should ask for it, and you should plead for it, and you should fast for it, and pray about it, and, and cling to it. And you're also going to have some really, really, really difficult days. And, and this passage, which is so filled with, we, we were like those who dreamed dreams, and our bellies were filled with laughter, and we danced the dance of joy, immediately shifts to, and we sobbed a lot. And, and we wept a lot. But, and, here's the, and you're already experiencing some of this, that weeping, that reminder, that difficulty leads to what? 
Well, according to the passage, living the dream, dancing the dance, laughing the laugh as fruit is formed and grows again among us. It's not always revival. You get that, right? It's not always revival. There's an ebb and flow that you and I are in, a dance with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you can expect epic highs and difficult days and for God to be with you in all of them. So let me, let me just say this sentence again, and I'm just going to pray over us and shock the world that I landed the plane at 20. You are a people who have tasted the restoration of God personally and corporately. You need to remember it. You need to remind each other of it. You need to rally around it and believe that God keeps his promises. Now, would you do me a favor? Would you, would you just kind of cup your hands out in front of you? Uh, I just want to pray over you and into you and bless you in the name of Jesus uh, as, as we'll, we'll see each other here and there, but by and large, most of us in glory, all right? Father, I bless these men and women in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask Holy Spirit of God, that you would fall afresh and new, that you would renew, revive, open up. Pray where the, the enemy has plans for this congregation. I pray you break his jaw. Pray against those plans. Pray against those schemes. I pray for unity and peace and power and favor and glory and honor for this church, for your name, your renown. I just pray for the men and women all around here right now who don't have, have no idea who you are or what you are, and they certainly don't want to be labeled as an evangelical in this current climate. You're going to break through and you're going to save and they're going to worship among us. They're our neighbors right now. They're our coworkers right now. They're in our neighborhood. They're in our coffee shops. And you're going to draw them unto yourself because that's what you do. That's where you found us, and you will find them. And so we ask now, Spirit of the living God, refresh us, encourage us, remind us for what's new and what's coming. Where there's secret sin, draw it out. Where the enemy has hooks in men and women, even today, break it. Give them a compelling vision of your kingdom that haunts them and ignites them and stirs them and rallies them to greater faithfulness. Thank you for these men and women, how you intersected our life for a season, how we got to build one another up and encourage one another up and what it means to know you, love you, and follow you. Now bless them now in the name of King Jesus. It's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen.